Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is Season 5, Episode 11. So what are we going to do today? We're going to do a couple things today. Uh, we're going to go over uh, the Night Stalker podcast uh, in general to give you, especially you newer people, a uh, little background behind uh, this podcast. The podcast uh, now uh, has... Um, 13,476 listeners, and I'm going to go over some of the um, uh, the dashboard demographics for all of this stuff, um, because actually I found a lot of it quite interesting. Um, so our biggest, uh, our biggest audience base right now is uh, in the U.S. with 59%, uh, Australia and United Kingdom 12 and 9 percent. I love those uh, those girls with that Australian and United Kingdom uh, accent and their flannel shirts and if there's any spare ones around feel free to make it over to Derby, Connecticut. Um, we go even farther than that. We go down to we're in Germany, Belgium which is about 9 percent, uh, Slovenia, Sweden which is about 4 percent, uh, Canada, Denmark, uh, Mexico, Norway, which we had in about another 5%, uh, Ireland we, we're, we have out there, uh, South Africa, uh, Netherlands, Hungary, Spain, India, New Zealand, France, uh, United Arab Emirates. I'm not sure where that is, but it, it's got to be out there, Puerto Rico, Czechoslovakia, and Finland, and the Philippines, and Brazil, and Greece, Egypt, and to go on, to go on, to go on. Um, our listening platform through this dashboard, which I'm trying to find right now, um, that is our audience uh, ranking. Our demographics, uh, at one time, uh, with the true crime and the um, and the uh, unexplained disappearances, we had a, uh, a like a 65% female uh, audience. Uh, but right now, the male audience uh, has has dominated the the whole stage, almost the whole stage, at 64.9 percent, with the rest being female. Uh, our age demographics is a little different than when we originally started. Uh, I think that's because when we originally started, I was doing that um, hard ass uh, shock jock. Uh, shredding of uh, everything uh, where the demographics of uh, 18 to 22 years was higher because I guess they just like hearing me uh, shred everybody. Uh, now uh, it's lower with the highest being uh, uh, people from 28 to 34 years old and this is an interesting age because this is the, the age of uh, true curiosity where people are interested in what's going on and they want to hear different perspectives. The highest group uh, is 45 to 59, uh, people that have been around a little bit and are definitely looking for a, uh, a more uh, direct, uh, without lies, um, non-biased opinions, which is, uh, you know, that's, that's what I do. I offend, unfortunately, a lot of people, but and I don't mean to do it in a bad way, but you know, sometimes you just got to realize you got to get your head out of your ass and uh, <clears throat> you know understand what what's really going on in the world. Um, 
our large our largest listener base is Apple Podcast at 69.2, uh, Podcast Attic, which is 10.5, uh, Podbean, not sure what that is, 4.6, Spotify. You know, and Spotify I, th- I thought would have been a lot higher, but Spotify is on a lower. It's um, 3.5 with uh, others being uh, 9.2. Uh, I thought Spotify had a little more juice than it did, but obviously, you know, I wasn't right about that. But anyway, we still we still have a lot of a lot of people in the audience. Like I said, we had um, about uh, let me see, we have about thirteen thousand four hundred seventy-six listeners who sit there and begrudgingly listen listen to me shred, tear, rant, rave. Uh, tell people like it is and all kind of stuff like that and I uh, I thoroughly offend people uh, I got this one lady so PO'd that <laughs> she sent me this uh, online I think it was on uh, Twitter <laughs> she, she sent me this thing about how I wasn't right about this how I wasn't right about that how this was wrong how that was wrong and um the stuff that I had uh, read read aloud on there was actually all uh, <clears throat> governments pro- uh, statistics providing by our governments. So um, <clears throat> obviously, uh, this was a just somebody that was uh, in full libertarian mood that just wanted to rant and rave about uh, something she didn't understand. He, she, I really couldn't even. I, I honestly, with the name, I and the foggy picture that was sent, uh, I could not really specifically identify this person as a he or a she. Um, even with the picture, it was hard because it was obviously one of those blurry pictures like, you know, the Sasquatch, you know, flying saucer picture, blurry branches in between, yada, yada, yada. But with that, so what's coming up? The same stuff that we normally do, uh, we are going to be doing one episode on a uh, an autopsy. Uh, we've, we've done one way uh, way earlier uh, an autopsy report for um, what somebody had sent me as a suspicious uh, uh, death and when I looked at it and I read the police report uh, I hate to tell you and you all know I've been a cop for a long time and I always back my own but in this case there was no way that was ever going to happen the case was totally mishandled um, and the unfortunate thing was um, where the crime occurred, it didn't occur. Uh, it was just, it was just such a, it, it was just such a, uh, it, it was just such a tragedy the way the case was handled. Uh, you know, eventually, you know, I opened my big mouth. I put this out on uh, the podcast, which has, like I said, 14, 13, 14,000 listeners. Uh, my LinkedIn it has thirty-one thousand. Twitter, which has who, who knows how many. I don't do TikTok. I just think that's for um, TikTok is like for uh, you know little. I, I think TikTok is just an immature uh, facet of something that's you know in another ten years is just going to disappear anyway. Um, but with that being said, I mean I hit over a hundred thousand people with this, and uh, within six months the. Um, the chief and one of the lead detectives had retired, uh, and it was a tragedy. And like I said, once again, it wasn't pursued 
simply because the uh, young female had uh, drug habits and was a prostitute. Uh, as a cop, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, yes, th these cases are probably handled a lot different, especially in a bigger city like that. Um, there's no vindication, you know, there's no there's no justification for it, but it is the nature of the beast. I mean, you know, um, but even with that being said, when you have, uh, you know, factual evidence that you, physical evidence that you can go on, uh, like in this case, there was a lot of, a lot of information, uh, a lot of, a lot of physical evidence, a lot of uh, um, things that weren't matching up, uh, a lot of people of interest, uh, and that's just like the um, uh, Roy Weber case up in uh, uh, up in uh, Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island. That was another case that was completely, uh, you know, fucked up. Uh, you know, the 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 victim was a young uh, male prostitute, obviously drug issues, uh, but he was also uh, engaged in uh, sexual activity with one of the mayors at, there at the time. Um, and his disappearance was just, or his homicide actually was, uh, just kind of, uh, brushed underneath the, uh, the mats. And, um, there is a person, I'm, uh, I would give a, a good percentage of it that this person, uh, who I had named in my podcast, uh, Roy Weber. If you want to go to the Roy Weber case, I, I'll guarantee you he either did it or knows, knows who did it. Uh, Providence Police Department, uh, Rhode Island Police Department, Providence, Rhode Island, they do not want to do anything about it. Um, you know, why? Why? You know why? Because I, I'm going to give you just a real quick... Uh, you know, a line on it. Um, Roy Webber, uh, prior to him being murdered, he had gone up to uh, the um, the mayor's uh, townhouse. They had done, you know, whatever, you know, male prostitutes and males do. Um, he had come down and the uh, mayor's bodyguard had given him 400 bucks and the kid goes away and is found dead in a um, a parking lot shot that in a parking lot well let's let's think about it this way who is the bodyguard who is the mayor's bodyguard anywhere the police the police it's not private security it's not hired bodyguards it's not hired mercenaries assassins blah 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 it's the police okay figure it out so you know, a lot of these hard-hitting cases that, that I, I throw punches at, um, people don't like it, but, you know, the truth is the truth. I mean, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example, and this is kind of a hard example for, for me to give you because it's, it's something that um, I had a friend. She had a rough life, uh, spent time in prison, uh, was doing really well and through all of this stuff I thought she had she had been doing good this that and the other thing well for some reason here comes 2023 and she's going to make big change in it in her life you know 
listen, everybody I know so far that has been made, bid, made big changes in 2023 have drastically failed, and it's only uh, the 14th. So, um, so she decides that, uh, I was talking to her, she goes, well, I got to get out of the state. Well, why? Well, if I get out of the state, life's going to change. No, it's not. Life is not going to change, people. If, if, especially if you're an addict or uh, somebody out there with an issue, you are not going to change your life if you move the fuck out of state, okay? You're just going to become somebody else, some other state's hindrance unless you have a plan to move out of state. A plan means money. A plan means a job. So what she said to me, and this is what really, I think, bothered me the most, because I, I thought she had... Uh, I really thought that she had high moral, higher moral standards than most people. She said, well, to get out of town, I would go with anybody and be their friends with benefits. Well, nothing for nothing, that's a whore, okay? You're getting paid or getting something in return for sex. So if that's what you are as a person, uh, you are going to drastically fail in life. 2020, you, you reverted back to prior to you going to jail. And the individual she was talking about uh, had, had her put in jail. Uh, a long court case, she finally went. She goes back there. And my thought on it, honestly, and I, and I hate to be an asshole, but you know what? If you get in trouble again with this dude or, you know, doing what you're doing, you belong in jail. I mean, there, there's no, my sympathy is, is, you know, I had a lot of sympathy and, and I, I thought there was hope and, you know, there's not. And I, and I should have learned that and I should have learned to take life more business-like, which, uh, like I said, I don't make changes because of the year. I make changes as needed. And uh, 2023 is going to be my business year. Um, and that's just how it's going to be. Um, but to kind of get back onto the case, next, one of the things we're going to bring up uh, is the, uh, the disappearance of uh, Dennis Lloyd Martin in 1969 from the Smoky Mountain National Park. This was a, um, uh, one of the um, most noticeable and historic cases of a disappearance of somebody in a, uh, a national park's history. Um, if you put in Dennis Lloyd Martin, Dennis Martin, you'll, you'll see all the stuff. A lot of the information, unfortunately, online is inaccurate. Uh, the initial bo book that I wrote was uh, The Disappearance of Dennis Lloyd Martin, which I interviewed people that were there. I interviewed people the FBI couldn't find. I even interviewed people from the FBI. Uh, so it kind of it kind of put a uh, you know it, it it raised an awareness to it but with correct information uh, information that wasn't wasn't uh, previously uh, revealed to the public uh, there was still a problem with the FBI for 53 years uh, turning over uh, their uh, official report which they said didn't exist but we knew it existed uh, after 19 uh, attempts at um, uh, Freedom of Information Act, which was denied fi uh, 19 times, I finally went over everybody's head directly to the director of the public, uh, you know, um, the director of the FBI, uh, and uh, 
I said, you know, I started citing certain case case laws that, you know, everything was based on exclusionary, everything was being denied because of the exclusionary rule, which really didn't apply because there was no, uh, there was no uh, people of interest. There was one, but there wasn't uh, enough evidence to actually even um, convict. You know, it, it would have been a long shot. Um, there was no planned arrest, there was no new information, there had been no leads. The last lead was followed up in 1981, uh, and that was it. So for years and years after. So after I started, you know, knocking down bits and pieces of exclusionary rule, like, okay, well, who, who's looking at this report to say that what you're excluding is actually you know, excludable evidence because you have a civilian who is not law enforcement. How do they know what should be and what shouldn't be excluded? Um, there were about 80 pages missing when they finally released it, and the reason they released it was because I, I, I wouldn't let up on them uh, for years, for three years. I, I bombarded them with paperwork and. Uh, just made the guy down, that poor guy down there in the archives. He must, he must have. Every time he saw a letter or something from me, he must have uh, hid under his chair for a week. But uh, we were finally able to get that released. And what I did was, I'm working on a, a second book. Uh, it's going to be the last edition I'm going to do about Dennis Lloyd Martin. But it's called The Disappearance of Dennis Lloyd Martin: The Hidden Files. And the the hidden this book is not only going to include, um, you know the some of the files that were released by the FBI but the redacted versions um, I have that information so I'm going to put the redacted uh, information on there not that it not that it's going to do any good because after I looked at it you know from a cost perspective um, you, you know was there was there even pro, you know reasonable suspicion to believe he was abducted you know that would have been a you're really stretching it on that one. I hate to tell you, uh, th these files they released did not have any uh, wow uh, effects in it. They were very, um, you know, I just, I personally did not see really any, besides a waste of 147 pieces of paperwork, I, I believe that this whole file could have been done probably in uh, 20 pages or less. Uh, the information that was uh, provided really didn't suggest much of anything. There was a couple people of interest. Uh, you know, one was Richard French, and he's in there. He was a person that was uh, the Martin the Martin family thought was suspicious, hanging around the search area, this and that, but it was concluded that he was not in the area. Uh, I had actually talked to Mr. French. I was probably the only person that interviewed him, and uh, everything he said matched up. It was credible, so I think it was an overreach on uh, the Martins and law enforcement to, to kind of put him into that uh, person of interest category. Uh, I just talked to a lot of people, even uh, uh, Harold Key, who uh, had observed some uh, strange individual down by uh, Romans Creek. Um, so it's got a, a compilation of a lot of different, uh, you know, FBI files. Uh, it has a compilation of 
National Park, Park Service uh, interviews that I did. So with that, it, it is going to be a, a pretty big book. I, I thought it was going to be out by uh, the spring of this year, maybe late spring, summer, possibly. Uh, there's just so much information in there. Uh, I am going to uh, take a lot of ex uh, excerpts from uh, the the original book, The Disappearance of Dennis Lloyd Martin, and just copy and paste and um, you know, so do do a little more grammarly <laughs> to straighten some of the older verbiage out, and uh, you know, just add some more uh, insight since uh, I originally started looking at the case in uh, sixteen. So, um, with that being said, uh, I don't want to bore you too much. So, uh, not sure what episode eleven is going to be. I I think it's probably going to be the autopsy. Uh, report that we're going to review and some other things to go along with it. I had no problem the from a uh, technical point of view the autopsy looked and matched the the crime scene however I have some questions about another person that was there uh, I, I just for some reason I it drew red flags but we will talk about that the next time uh, I am Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is uh, episode 11. And just remember, if you are walking in the woods, out in a parking lot, in the backseat of a car, a dark room, first of all, you've got to ask yourself, what the hell are you doing in that dark place? What brought you there? And if you hear footsteps coming up from behind you, you better have a way out, because if you don't, you're going to be the next person on this podcast.